My name is Manohar James, and I'm one of the ministers at High Point Church. And uh, today, before I share God's word, I really wanted to appreciate High Point for being truly missional church, helping people in India, Dominican Republic, and many parts of the world um, in a season like this, because COVID crisis has affected uh, millions of people around the world, particularly India. And uh, because of your uh, um, generous hearts and helping hands, uh, we were able to help at least uh, a thousand. Can I do this? It's coming. What happened? Okay. All right. Something happened. All right. So uh, I have some pictures that tell you uh, what God is doing there. Uh, we helped more than 1,000 families with food supplies and uh, other necessities and helped uh, uh, several hundreds of pastors uh, and their families with uh, uh, financial resources. We did all of that because of you. And we received literally hundreds of thank you notes. This is one of those I wanted to read for you. Uh, for three days, my wife, our two children and I hadn't eaten anything. In this critical and crucial moment, you sent us a large gift to bless our family. Our joy has no limits. We are immensely thankful for this timely help. This is from a pastor. So we have like literally hundreds of uh, uh, thank you notes from these pastors. So I just wanted to say you are wonderful people and you are impacting the world. So we can't ask you for more, right? And today, um, I'm going to bring out a message that you need to really tune your hearts to. And right now we are in the book of Nehemiah studying how we can enrich our spiritual life and sustain our spiritual life and flourish in the midst of opposition, suffering, and difficult times. But this morning, I want to take you around the world, show you how Christians in many parts of the world are suffering for Jesus, risking their lives in many ways, including kidnapping, raping, physical torture, imprisonment, burning, getting beaten to death just because they're standing for Jesus Christ. And in fact, the book of Acts is being expanded in other parts of the world, particularly the global south beyond chapter 28. 
Some of you may not be able to relate with what I said today because we don't see that kind of violence in this part of the world. But when you see elsewhere happening, it's hard to digest. And sometimes people say we throw up because we can't see such a heinous killings going on in other parts of the world. So buckle your seats and seat belts and just watch what the Lord wants you to hear this morning from this sermon. And here is a small video. Mi esposa estaba predicando el evangelio al aire libre. Vinieron los guerrilleros, se lo llevaron a la selva y le dispararon. Tôi bị cái đám 8 năm tù về tội phổ biến kinh thánh và những tài liệu họ cho rằng có phương hại tới an ninh quốc gia. My father called me and he gave me two options, either to leave Jesus or to leave the family. My belief in Jesus is much stronger than any other relation that I have got. That's why I quit everything and kept Jesus. When I became a Christian, my village turned against me. I no longer belong. But I continue to worship Jesus. And many others believe. But they always found out. And this world has no mercy. Perplexed, 
but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What we have seen here is the tip of an iceberg. There are 260 million Christians in the world who are facing high level of persecution. That is one in eight believers around the world going through pain every day. In the past year, over 9,000 churches and Christian institutions were attacked. Over 3,700 people were imprisoned. Over 3,000 people were killed last year just because they are following Lord Jesus Christ. Open Doors estimates that at least one person is killed every five minutes somewhere in the world which is not reported. And majority of all these killings are happening in something called 1040 window of the world. This is the location where 90 to 95% of non-Christians live. This is where most of the unreached people groups that many missionaries are trying to reach with the gospel. Just as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of people there that they cannot see the light of the gospel. And all that they do is persecute as many as people possible so that they can put off the light of the gospel in that land. Even today, tens of thousands of people in that location have not seen their spouses children for many years because they are either in chains in a prison or they are suffering in concentration camps. Friends in the West, we are so blessed with liberty to worship freely and to witness our faith and do whatever we want to do with the spiritual blessings that we have in this country but it is an extraordinary time for many believers across the globe to be just a Christian, just to bear the name of Jesus. For them, religious freedom is a concept of the majority and a strange thing for the minority. Have you ever thought about why these people are persecuted in those nations? And then some of you think, yeah, I know. It is their corrupt political system. Yeah, I know. It is because of their evil practices. It is because of their religion. 
It is because of their culture. Yeah, true. Or because of the xenophobic realities that they have because of which our Christians are going through persecution. Although it's partially true, they are not the concrete reasons that our brothers and sisters in that part of the world are going through persecution. Here I have few reasons why they are being persecuted. First, they are persecuted because they are the committed followers of Jesus Christ. They are bold Christians. They are not cold Christians. They are persecuted because they have given their lives to the last of their being, everything to the Lord. And this man, you see in the picture, his name is Samaru. And this man comes from a state in India. This guy was picked up by a mob three months ago from his house and he was kidnapped and then he was mercilessly beaten and his body was cut with knives and his head was smashed with the snow, against the snow stone and then they slit his throat before they could bury him in a very remote place. You know why he had to go through this kind of heinous death? A few months prior to this incident, anti-Christian mob came to that village and threatened the pastor not to preach about Jesus in that village. And they told they will shut down the ministry in that village and they, they said, if we come back again, you will not be alive. That was the time this young man Samaru stood up and said, if anything happens to my pastor, I will not fear, I will take charge of pastoral work and serve the Lord. Think about the commitment this young man had, which even took his own life. Like Samaru, there were at least four people who were killed in the last three months in the land of India, just because they are too committed for the Lord. From the beginning of this year until today, there are around 450 anti-Christian incidents in that land. A pastor may go out to pray for a member of the church or distribute tracts or preach in the street and his wife behind and his children behind will not know that their family member, father or husband will ever come back home safe. And some of these people who are killed for their faith in India know very, very little theology, but their commitment is too high that we can't even touch it. We can't even understand it. They know Jesus so intimately and they experience him so daily, on a daily basis, they're persecuted, but still they feel like they are not persecuted, but they're serving the Lord. And before killing, in fact, these anti-Christians give them an opportunity to deny Jesus and go back home and live with their families happily. But they say, we have given our life to the Lord because he, he has given his life to us. How can we forsake our master? 
and they do not give up their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because they consider suffering as part of Christian identity. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Now look here. Here is statement of Jesus. Jesus is saying, you will be hated for sure because I have chosen you for that. And the world has hated me and the world will hate you. So when these brothers and sisters go through suffering, they do not feel like they are suffering, but they think they are sharing in the suffering of Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to be. And now they see suffering as a blessing, not a punishment. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. What is this? This is a beatitude. The persecution is included in the list of beatitudes. And in the West here, we delist this part, suffering and persecution. For us, Beatitudes means blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are blah, 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 but not this thing. We delist it intentionally because we don't see it any more relevant for our context. And even if you Google Beatitudes, you won't see the persecution included there, but it is there. But for the brothers and sisters who are suffering on the other side, the only beatitude available for them is this. And they see blessedness in suffering, in pain, and in hardship, and they treat it as an honor and a blessing, even when they are put to shame publicly and punished badly. And they live their lives with eternity in their eyes. Let me repeat that. They live their lives with eternity in their eyes. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. Most of these Christians who are persecuted in that location live one day at a time. They make no plans for buildings or things like that. I'm not saying that you know, it's bad, but I'm saying they live in poverty, but live a rich spiritual life. They refuse to do anything that would dishonor their king, even if that costs their own life. For example, if a Christian constructor is given an opportunity to build a temple with a huge sum of money, he would reject to pick up the job because he's a Christian. He would not build a pagan temple. A Christian school teacher may not glorify false gods before the children in a school. 
A Christian neighbor may not celebrate pagan festivals with his neighbors. So because of which they are all hated and then they are persecuted. They live in their own countries but as sojourners. They live in their own countries and fulfill duties as citizens but they suffer as foreigners just because they live their lives with eternity in their eyes. Our level of commitment to Christ comes from not knowing theology. It comes from our absolute surrender to him. When disciples were aimlessly flocking after Jesus, he said to them in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, whoever wants to come after me, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny. Think about that must deny, must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow him. Take up the cross daily. And the Christians in those nations take those words of Jesus so seriously. They don't care about their dear children. They don't care about their dear newly wedded wife. They don't care about what's going to happen to their hut, which can be on fire next day for the actions they do. That's all for the sake of Jesus Christ, who gave his very life for them. How much are we sacrificing? How much are we denying ourselves and taking up the cross for him? Second, people are persecuted in that place Because they have chosen to live a godly life, not a comfortable Christian life. Somebody can work on this PowerPoint, please. <laughs> right, right, that's how I feel. <laughs> All right, good. So the second thing, they have chosen to live a godly life. That's why they're persecuted, it's a choice. Now hear what Paul says in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Now here, watch these words carefully. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. Now here is the choice that Paul is throwing before Timothy. So the choice is given to us whether we wanted to choose a godly life or we don't want to choose a godly life. But if you choose, the sure thing to happen is the persecution. Because persecution is the mark of Christianity from the beginning of the church. And we cannot avoid that. And those who live a godly life will not compromise with the world and its philosophy. Because Jesus said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world. It's not Jesus said, John said, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Think about that. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. 
There are millions of Christians who are persecuted in the world. Even that 1040 window that I showed you. But even in that dangerous places, not every Christian is persecuted. Take note of that. Not every Christian in those dangerous places is persecuted. Do you know why? Because they do not choose to live a godly life. They compromise with the world, with their intellectual creativity, the way we do in the West here. They compromise with the world, with the truth, and they're, they're strong in theology, but they just compromise with the world. That's why they don't get persecuted, but only few people who are so much committed to live a godly life. This man, think about this man here. His name is Yusuf Nadarkhani. In 2009, he went to jail. And since that time, he visits his family now and then, but he goes back to jail often. You know the reason? He first questioned the government. Why should Christian children read Quran and pray to Allah in the schools? Our children should not go one way and we go another way. We don't want anybody to live a dual life with dual identity and he said we cannot do that either our children will just read the bible or stop reading quran or praying to allah so he was put in jail and then afterwards there was a death sentence and the christianity solidarity christian solidarity worldwide has appealed for him and the death sentence came down but still right now he is back in prison because he cannot compromise. He cannot compromise with the world. There is a phenomenon in India called churchless Christianity. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians in India who do not take baptism, who do not go to church, but they say we are following Jesus Christ. They will live in their caste system. They will still follow all the traditional things of their religion and other things of the society, but they, st they say they are still following Jesus Christ. And they are hidden from the church. Similarly, in the Middle East, there are hundreds of thousands of believers known as Muslim background believers. But not all of them, but most of the Muslim background believers live like Muslims. They go to mosques and they pray to Jesus. Can you go to a temple, Hindu temple and pray to Jesus? That's what they say. They say, yeah, it is not the church that saves us. But it is Jesus who saves us. That is their argument. They don't want to take baptism either. They have their own intellectual creativity. I'm, I just said that. That is how they are not persecuted there. 
and they don't want to suffer for the Lord because if they identify themselves as Christians and they go to the uh, church regularly, probably they are risking their lives and their family, and so they don't want to sacrifice their comfortable living, so therefore they're compromising with the world. But what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, he made it clear to them when disciples were flocking to him, he said, if you do not confess me in the public, I would not confess you before my Father in heaven. Think about that. And even when Jesus told his disciples that the persecution to come, you will be hated, you will be accused of so many false things, and you will be put into jail. But rejoice, and then he continued saying, you be the salt and light. And he said, you are the light of the world. And it was Jesus who is the light of the world, but because he gave up his all glory, authority for the church, and he says, you are the light of the world now. You cannot hide the light. You have to shine before others. Let people see the light and come. But now here, disciples of Jesus in that dangerous places are hiding because they are compromising with the world. Just three weeks ago, slide please, just three weeks ago, this man named Muhammad Reza, he received 80 lashes for drinking wine, drinking wine as part of Holy Communion. This is the second time he had received 80 lashes. And of course, previously he served two years in jail because he's the member of the previous man I showed you, Yusuf Nadarkhani, that church. And he was asked not to attend the church, not to have the membership, but he continued sacrificing whatever he could, even lashes twice, 80 lashes. He would not give up his faith or change the way he lives out his faith because he chose to live a godly life. And finally, Christians in those nations are persecuted because they are great commission Christians. We often hear about the commitment of Christians in the communist China. And most of you have heard how China is trying to crack down the churches, particularly underground churches or secret believers. They do not allow the baptism of anyone under the age of 18. And now there are 60 to 90 million believers who are known as secret believers or underground church members. And those members can never escape the persecution from the government because the Chinese government has 415 million public CC cameras, surveillance cameras, that would face detect every person and identify. 
and they're going to install many more millions of those cameras to crack down. And they are trying to persecute as many Christians as possible. Once Pastor Zhu Yongzi, one of the Christian leaders, spent a total of eight years in jail on different occasions. He explained how the persecution in China would be. And this is what he said. They hung, they hung me up across an iron gate. Then they yanked open the gate and my whole body lifted until my chest nearly split into two. I hung like that for four hours. Now, when you hear about the cruel acts of the government, and when you hear about the so-called secret Christian phenomenon in China, what do you think? You are thinking that Christians are hiding. Underground means they're going into a basement and hiding from persecution. No, my friends. That is, if that is the case, they would not get persecuted. If that is the case, the ministry in China will not explode. Today, there are five to 10,000 members that are flocking into church every day. Five to 10,000 believers every day. That is because these underground believers are coming into the streets, into the public. They are being missional people for Jesus. In fact, just recently, two people were arrested because they were distributing tracts in the streets and preaching the gospel. In fact, in the last few months, there were more than 300 Christians who were taken by police for interrogation for 10 days. And because they are mission, they know the implications of being a missional Christian, but they wanted to be a God-honoring disciple of Jesus, and they are preaching the gospel every day in the public places. And think about North Korea, which is a harsh totalitarian regime where Christians are constantly threatened to abandon their faith, their faith and even just for possessing a Bible. Just for possessing a Bible, they are imprisoned and are shot to dead before, before giving them second opportunity. Just two weeks ago, a man was arrested and he was shot dead before 3,000 residents to give them a warning. If you carry a Bible, this is what would happen to you. And now, in fact, there are 60,000 Christians in the concentration camp, camps in North Korea. Either because they smuggled the pages of the Bible from China into North Korea with the passion to share the gospel or they read Bible before a non-believer or they carried a Bible in their hands publicly. That's why they are there in the concentration camp, separated, camp, separated from the fa families. They are not just godly people, but they are also missional people. So how do they handle persecution in that part of the world? They praise God 
joyfully. This is, I, they have this 4P formula that we can also use it when we go through struggles and suffering. Though they praise God joyfully, they ponder on the word consistently, and they preach the word regularly, and pray for the persecutors unceasingly. They constantly do that. If you go to someone in India who is persecuted or someone in China who is persecuted, you just go to them, ask them, none of them will complain or cry, oh, I'm going through struggle. No, none of them. Even when I came here, when people were kind of listening to my story of persecution, I, they, were showing, they were showing so much interest in my story. I was like, what is wrong with you? My response was, what's wrong with you? What is special of me? Everybody go through the persecution. That's what the Bible tells. And when I asked some people to pray for the church in India, they said, Lord, please stop the persecution. That's a wrong prayer, my brother. We never asked anybody to pray that the persecution will stop. We only said, pray that we will have boldness. Pray that we will stand strong for Jesus. That was all the cry of our hearts when we go through persecution in India. So we take up the persecution joyfully and we ponder on the word that Jesus said, you will be hated for my sake. And then we will preach the word of the gospel for those perishing souls. And we pray for the persecutors on a daily basis and those adversaries are becoming advocates for Jesus because of our commitment to Jesus. Now, what it means to us? What it means to us? I'm not asking you what typical pastors here would ask. Pray for them. Send them donations. I'm not asking you for that. That's not what I intended of bringing this message to you this, mor this morning. I just wanted to ask you to look at your own life, think about what you are missing in following him. What are you missing in following him? What is holding you from becoming Christ-like? Do you know at the beginning of 20th century, the Western Christianity dominated the world church with 70% of Christians living in the West. Yet the turn of the 21st century, it had shrunk from 70% to 28%. It did not shrink from 70% of Christians to 28% because of persecution, but because of lack of commitment, lack of godliness, lack of being a missional people for him. Are you understanding that? We have lost the central gravity of Christianity in these nations of West, not because of persecution, but because of the comfort because of easiness that we have, because of the blessings that we enjoy on a daily basis. We have lost passion for his kingdom. We have lost passion for our godliness. And we have lost passion 
in our commitment to follow Jesus. In fact, I read an article a couple of months ago which said 52% of Americans said Jesus is not God. They just said Jesus was a great teacher. Do you know one third of the evangelicals right in our country do not believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ? Where did this come from? What happened to us? According to scholarly estimations, since the beginning of the church in first century until today, there were at least 70 million people killed for their faith. And half of those martyrs died just in the last 100 years. Just last 100 years. Why? Because the church in the global south is willing to pay the price. That is when the church has exploded elsewhere and decreased in this part of the world. Where are we failing in our commitment to follow Jesus? Why is robust growth elsewhere and why we do not have here? Now we have a different theology that Jesus is not even God. He is a mere teacher. We are living in a consumeristic society where we do church shopping. We have a church for every 200 people in this country. So you go to this church, you are not comfortable with the childcare, you run to the other one. Some people even leave the church because they didn't like the color of a pew chair. Some people does not like the music, it is louder. I can't bear it, I need to run to another one. Some people may not like the halogen lights here and they wanted to leave the church. This is the life that we have created in this society and then we have forgotten the true gospel. Knowing more theology doesn't make us his people. I'm telling you. I have seen after coming here most of the churches have their own libraries that they can even research on their own about spiritual things. Even then, people are not satisfied. They buy their own commentaries and keep in home. And instead of one Bible, they have many Bibles. KJV and KJV, ECV, CCV, NIV, HIV. <laughs> you have so many friends. There are 300,000 villages in India which do not have even their first church. A few months ago, I was talking to my brother, and then he was casually telling, do you know that my, uh, our mom and dad used to get up early in the morning, 3 a.m., and used to walk several miles to attend a church which starts at 10 a.m.? They used to walk how many hours? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Seven hours they walk for service, and it happened for probably 20 years, not one day. Because they don't have any other fellowship close by. But here, we are doing church shopping. We do not like a small thing that's happening and we fight for petty things of the world. The danger of comfort, ease, prosperity, safety, and freedom can only hibernate us rather than pushing us into active followers of Jesus. This is what uh, John Piper has said. 
The very things that we think would produce personal and energy and creative investment of time and money in the cause of Christ and his kingdom instead produce again and again the exact opposite. Weakness, apathy, lethargy, self-centeredness, preoccupation with security. We have tons of programs that satisfy rather than that satisfies the name of Jesus. That glorifies the name of Jesus. We have tons of things in our church programs or in our mission areas of spirituality which would just merely satisfy us rather than blessing the kingdom of God. John Piper thinks more than persecution hurt us, the prosperity will hurt us or hurt the church in this part of the world. And the prosperity may have devastating effects on us, on our mission, if we too much love our comfort, too much love our money, our family, and everything. Jesus said, if you cannot forsake your father and mother for me, you will not be my disciple. You may not go through violent persecution in this country, but you go through, you certainly every day go through silent repression as the country is becoming more and more ungodly day by day, secular with the political polarities, secular humanism, consumerism, atheism, and vain philosophies. How do you tackle with all those things? There is a lot of destruction and distraction in this world. How do you avoid that? Unless you're a committed follower of Jesus, unless you chose to become a godly person, unless you wanted to become a great commission Christian, how can you, how can you be a true follower of Jesus? This is what Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls, to the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The suffering Christians in North Korea are like soccer balls. The more you knock them against the ground, the more they will bounce back and rise further. Christians in China are like bamboo. The more you cut them, the more they grow back and then go, grow back stronger. Christians in India, my country, are like tea bags. You will not know how strong they are until you put them in hot water. In fact, it's actually in the hot water, the tea bag finds its purpose and its usefulness. What can we say about the Western church? I had something to put in there, but I decided not to put. Let me invite worship team to sing one of my favorite songs of commitment I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I sang this song 
a thousand times when I went to Bible school. When I heard that people are slipping into hell in thousands and hundreds of thousands every day, that broke my heart. I said, Lord, I want to give my life to you no matter what. I will follow you. I sang this song meaningfully a thousand times. And when I was in the field serving the Lord, a mob of eight people came and caught me, held me against an iron pole in a bus stand in front of everybody. They burned cigarettes on my hands and kicked me left and right. And, they, and then I didn't know what happened because I became unconscious and they threw me down the hill. Even when I was conscious that time, I sang that song. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That time my dedication was, wherever the Lord leads me, I will follow. Whatever he gives me, I will swallow. That was the statement I had. I used to go days after days without eating just because my Lord gave me life. How can I look at this temporary 70 years, 80 years you live, 90 years you live, you leave your car behind, you leave your three garage great house behind, you leave everything behind, my brother and sister. Eternity is waiting for you if you exchange the eternity for the things that are temporary right here. I don't know. I don't know what you are losing, but I'm just challenging you this morning. Then I actually came to do the research on this song. This song was actually written in India. A missionary from America went to India and he preached gospel to one of the chief of the tribe and everybody turned against the chief because he accepted Jesus. They pulled him to the public and they asked him to deny Jesus. And he said, I would not. Then they brought his children. They said, we will take away your children from you if you don't deny Jesus. He said, I will not give up my Jesus. Then he loved his wife so dearly. They pulled his wife out right in front of him. They killed her. And he said, that time he sang it naturally, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The world is behind me, the cross is before, I will match forward to that. The same song still binds my heart with the heart of Jesus. I want us to sing this song with commitment and hear the voice of Jesus.